Welcome to the Wealth Enterprise Briefing. Hi, everyone. I'm Michael Zerner, one of the managing partners at We Family Offices. I'm joined again today by Sam Sudami, our head of Global Macro uh, on our investment team. And we're going to spend some time talking about this current state of the capital markets uh, in the face of pretty significant questions about uh, the future direction of interest rates, the future direction of inflation, and uh, will we or won't we have a recession uh, here in the United States? And what are the implications of that uh, for investors? So welcome, Sam. Thanks for joining me. I guess, Sam, I'd like to start right with a very broad question uh, about where we stand in terms of all of these questions about the direction, not so much of the stock market, but direction of the overall economy uh, and what's happening when we look at some of these statistics, what are they telling us uh, about where we stand? And this sort of huge question about, are we headed for a recession or not? And if we are, why haven't we seen one? Sam? So th there is a tug of war out there on whether we're going to have a recession or not. On one hand, we have the leading index of economic indicators. It is a way to take a glimpse going forward of the economy. It has been flashing recession. It has been flashing recession. It has been negative now for the past 14 months, one of the longest stretches of being negative in modern history. But we don't fall into recession. That's the big, that's the crux of the problem. When we look at the coincident index, which is looking at a snapshot of the economy today, it's actually pretty good. The reason why is because the American economy is still performing well, rooted in a strong labor market. If the unemployment rate is very low, we're at multi-decade lows in unemployment, and incomes are rising, the economy will not go into recession. So it's that tug of war between right now and the future. And Sam, how do you see inflation factoring into that? Because yes, I hear you that the economy is strong, the labor markets are strong, but you know, to me, it seems the big question is whether you know the Fed, right? Will they or won't they concede that you know they need to raise rates or keep them the same or potentially bring them down? And certainly, the language recently has been we're going to take them up. How does that factor into the equation? Inflation is central to this equation because the labor markets are strong. Inflation is remaining high. So two of the major causes of higher inflation are going to be wages, particularly in the services sector, and rents. Wage inflation has started to moderate, but it's still keeping inflation above target for the Federal Reserve. As a result, the Fed and also global central banks are remaining hawkish, raising interest rates in order to cool off the economy. If they cool the economy, they can cool inflation. So, so now let's bring in the, the equity markets, and they've been on a little bit of a tear over the last six to nine months. Uh, are we at the beginning uh, of a bull market, or uh, is something else going on? Right now, equity markets remain very volatile. You know, we look at uh, an equal weighted S&P 500 index, and it's barely positive for the year. We have seven very large tech stocks, the Amazons, the Googles, the Apples, that are performing exceptionally well. So it is a tale of two different markets. 
what the equity market is telling you is that the markets will remain volatile because the economy will remain volatile. And this goes back to what we just talked about, the Fed remaining hawkish. Markets had believed that the Fed was going to be finished with its rate hike cycle, which is why we had a very recent rally in the market over the last month. And then we had the Federal Reserve Chairman's testimony this week, where he was very forceful that the Fed will continue to be hawkish and raise rates perhaps two more times this year. So it's that tug of war that we've been talking about that extends to whether the Fed will raise interest rates, hold them, or actually cut them. Okay, so with those questions, let's now look at different asset classes through an investor's lens. So what I heard you say loud and clear was that we would expect significant volatility and continuing volatility, both to the upside and the downside in the equity markets, depending on how the the thesis plays out about inflation and interest rates, et cetera. So an investor should expect volatility. Um, to me, it seems that that it would suggest that being overweight equities now, uh, an investor should take a look carefully uh, and maybe come back to strategic. On the other hand, being significantly underweight equities right now, uh, might they might miss out on some potential upside. Exactly. So equity markets will remain volatile because of the outlook for earnings. If the economy were to slow down significantly, even falling into a recession due to the lagged effects of the Federal Reserve's monetary policy tightening, earnings can continue to fall. So that will cause equity markets to become volatile. But at some point, the markets will look beyond that slowdown because markets, equity markets look ahead. They look beyond the slowdown and see that a new cycle is beginning. Equities could actually rally after that. So it's important to stay invested at strategic levels, but not perhaps make a short-term bet that markets are going to rally and be prepared for some downside volatility. Exactly, because when markets are very volatile, it is a good idea to be at one strategic allocation level. So let's go the other way then, and let's look at cash, right? So we've had uh, an inverted yield curve. Uh, it keeps getting more inverted, right? Short-term rates at the at the sort of one, two, three-month T-bill rates are you know, plus or minus 5%, a very healthy and attractive return for cash. We haven't seen that in years. Uh, it would seem to me that that taking advantage of those those very short term rates is an opportunity for investors right now. Exactly. During this time of high volatility, cash holds its value. One can ride out the storm, if you will, by staying in cash and still get paid for it. As a result of the higher yields, this opportunity cost of capital is not that high. So one could actually just seek refuge in cash and be all right. So being overweight cash would be would be relative to equities where we're at strategic, right, or slightly underweight. Being overweight cash is, is something we'd be comfortable with. Now, that brings up, you know, I've had this conversation numerous times, something called reinvestment risk, right, where if you're staying short on cash and all of a sudden rates start to go down, right? You 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 haven't locked in those higher rates for, let's call it a, a medium 
uh, duration period of time. On the other hand, if you start locking in rates and taking duration uh, and rates continue to go up, right, you're, you're, you're missing out on that opportunity and the value of your existing bonds are falling. So where do you see investors, you know, uh, wh where do you think investors should be in terms of taking interest rate risk uh, and duration risk uh, and, and offsetting reinvestment risk? Or is it, is it okay to live with some of that reinvestment risk right now? So one way to handle that is to invest in investment-grade fixed income, where one can still take advantage of higher yields, still be short duration in order to mitigate interest rate risk as the Federal Reserve raises interest rates, but still lock in that yield over a longer term. In other words, it can help uh, reduce some of that reinvestment risk by keeping lower duration. So more duration than cash. And the other advantage is in investment-grade fixed income, it can offer a counterbalance if the equity markets get rough because interest rates can fall. And as a result, investment-grade fixed income can have capital gains to offset reductions in equity. So like everything with investing, Sam, it's not all or nothing. Right. It's it's about having a mix and a blend of different exposures in reasonable proportions to basically be prepared for what could be a series of very different outcomes. Right. Depending on on how things unfold. Right. Both with inflation, interest rates and recession. Do you think, Sam, though, that, you know, when you think about fixed income investing, there's there's interest rate risk. Right. Which is duration. But then there's credit risk. Right. How are you feeling about credit risk, particularly down the risk spectrum and more high yield and other uh, riskier assets than investment grade in the face of a potential recession? So I would recommend caution in these higher yield credit areas, such as leverage loans and high yield bonds, because as the economy weakens or goes into a recession, the cash flows that those companies have to repay principal and interest can become more stressed. And as a result, their spreads are likely to rise to reflect the higher credit risk. There could be a better time to get into these higher yielding areas, but right now it's premature in our opinion. Okay. Thank you, Sam. So, so where that takes me to, and I think this will be the subject of our next podcast, uh, is it takes me to, with all of this volatility and uncertainty, I suspect that there's an opportunity in alternative markets, particularly different kinds of hedge fund vehicles, which are are playing the public equity markets in a very different way than a typical long-only manager. But we'll have to leave that for our next conversation. Thanks very much for joining me, Sam. All right. Thank you, Michael.